Praise the Lord and welcome to our weekly podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover various topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a team of wonderful producers who want to make each episode something that will be enjoyable and informative. During this episode, we will have a roundtable discussion with our producers to address some of the questions they have about grief, its process, and how to manage it. This podcast was produced by Lady Satoya Clanton. It was edited by Lady Clanton and Sister Tynika Harris Coronado. I'll be right back with today's episode. Praise the Lord, Minister Juanita, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I am well, and I'm excited about talking with you and the others about something that we all experience, and that is grief. What questions do you have? And I hope to have some some good answers for you. So my first question is, what are some statements or questions to avoid when checking in with family or offering condolences when a death has occurred? Well, here are a few of the ones that I have heard and I cringe when I hear them. One of them is they are in a better place. When someone has lost a loved one, It really doesn't matter that they are in a better place. They are not where they want them, and that is with them. So I suggest to family members and friends, when they are searching for words of comfort or to express condolences to someone that has experienced a loss, that they don't reach for the old, they are in a better place. Another one that people use very often is time heals all wounds. That's not necessarily accurate because it is not time that heals. It's what we do with the time that brings about the healing. So that can also be a misstatement as well. And I think we've all heard people say, don't cry. How do you tell somebody that's lost someone that they love and they'll never see their face, hear their voice again, never experience a warm embrace, who won't be coming home, don't cry. It's natural. It's normal to cry. So let them cry. Another one is be strong. I'm sure you've heard people tell others, Well, you know what? Just be strong. Be strong for the family. They need some. And then sometimes people say, well, I can't cry. I just I need to be strong for the others. Well, I don't believe in trying to be strong when you're hurting, when you're sad, when you've had loss and in some cases, multiple losses. Be true to your emotions. Be true to your feelings. Another one is. I know how you feel. (laughs) I know how it is to lose a father. I know what it means to lose a mother or I know what it means to lose a child. Yeah, you may know what it's like, but you don't know how that person feels because 
that was a different relationship between that individual and the one they lost. Even within a family, Juanita, you may have siblings or you may have parents who have experienced a loss within the family. And even though they may have been close, the dynamics between individuals are different. Like when our mom died and when our father died, when our brother died, we really couldn't say to one of our siblings, I know how you feel because the relationship and the dynamics between all 15 of us were different with our parents. You know, you really can't say, I know how you feel because you really don't know. And here's another one that we say as we're ending a call or making our way to do- toward the door. Call me if you need anything. <laughs> that gets me every time. Call me if you need anything. Well, the person is grieving. (laughs) They're in mourning. They're in a fog. They can't think. Sometimes they can't think. They're still trying to process what has happened. They have a thousand things that they need to do. So they shouldn't have to call. We should call them and check on them. We should go by their house or their apartment and check on them, see how they're doing, and if there's anything that we can do to assist them. And the last one that I have for this particular question is, we love to quote scripture because we always got to get the word in there. That's, you know, it's healing and it's deliverance in the word. And they say, and you know, we know all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Well, my God from Zion, I don't see how this is working for my good. You know, so (laughs) I don't like to hear people use that scripture for someone who has experienced a loss. Sometimes people are angry at God. And whether we understand it or appreciate it or not, that's their experience, that's their anger. We need to help them process that. And I don't think that we just should throw a lot of scriptures at an individual when they've had a loss. I hope that answered your question. That did. Um, I think that was one of the questions that I did not like is a call me if you need yeah. me. And I said exactly what you are saying. I'm not calling you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call you before. <laughs> yeah, why am I calling you why now? Why am I going to call you now? So right. I'm like, you know, if you really care, you'll reach out. You'll do those things because, you know, I want people to feel comfortable. You know, sometimes we don't know what to say. Um, yeah. And during this period, with what I've gone through, it has really taught me questions and statements not to say to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and they're hoping that you don't call them. You know, this is just something that we say, but in the back of their mind, not trying to be negative, but the person might be saying, oh God, I hope they don't call. <laughs> you, you have another question. Before you go to that next question, um, I just wanted to say another one that it may be true. And it kind of, for me, is one of those things that are lawful, but maybe not expedient is God don't make no mistakes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. 
my loved one is gone. To hear you say, God, don't make no mistakes, just is like a, to me, it's like the proverbial slap in the face. I'm yeah, sorry. It's like, it's like God <laughs> intended to do that. That was, he yeah, purposefully, like, he first <laughs> purposefully took your loved one away to, to hurt you. No, that's not a good one either. My other question, you kind of hit on it already, some ways that we can support bereaved families. It depends on the, the relationship. Like I said, you know, when our parents passed, there are 15 of us. We all have different relationships with our parents. It's also, if it's a family member, they may decide to stay for hours. And sometime if they are out of town, they'll stay in town for a day or for several days in a hotel. Sometimes they'll stay in the home of a relative in order to provide comfort and care for the individual and the family. For a person who is just a family or friend, I would advise first before going to the home, call first and see if the individual is available. And then two, if they're up to a visit. Sometimes people just are not up to having company and you never want to impose on people and just show up at, oh, it's okay, I'll just show up. No, I think you should call first, find out if the person is available, if they're up to a visit. And if you go by, don't stay more than 15 to 30 minutes. Don't move in. Don't get there at nine o'clock in the morning and stay until two o'clock the following morning. Make the visit meaningful, make it purposeful, and then allow the family to be able or the individual to be able to rest or do some of the other things that need to be done. Yeah, so 15 to 30 minutes is, I think, enough time for a non-family member. And But if it's a family member, they might say, okay, well, thanks for dropping by. I got some other things to do. And they sort of dismiss you and walk you to the door. And, and that needs to be uh, perfectly understood. You have another question? Yes, someone put it, you know, don't take the food that you bring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I saw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they bring food and say, you know what, I'm going to take a plate with. <laughs> yes, yes. My, my last question. Oh. My last question for you is, how do we approach situations when death occurs by suicide? You know, that's a, that's a very tough one, Juanita. Uh, Pastor Corey, in one of our previous uh, episodes, we talked about a couple suicides that we had within our family and how painful that was. If there is uh, a suicide, it needs to be approached very prayerfully. I usually tell people when I get a phone call and, and, and you know something like this, I don't just grab my, my coat and head or whatever and run out the door as if though I'm a first responder. I need to pray. I need to ask God for direction. What do I need to say in order to bring comfort to this family? Even if it's a matter of making a phone call, I don't just grab the phone and dial the individual. I need a few minutes to talk to God because I don't know what thoughts are going through that person's mind at that very moment. 
And I need the Holy Spirit to direct me because he knows so that I say the right words to them in order to give comfort. So approach the situation prayerfully because some families are angry at the deceased one who completed the suicide. And you walk into a situation where you have angry family members they may be dealing with regret, they may be dealing with guilt, and then they also may be thinking about the social stigmatization that comes along with a suicide. Why would they do this to me? Why would they do that to us and bring this stigmatization on our family? There is, if I can use the word embarrassment, so you have all these layers of hurt and pain that the family is dealing with. I also suggest to be empathetic. Listen to the, the lost survivors. If they choose to talk, then listen. Sometimes they don't wanna talk about it. Recently, I spoke to a mother whose daughter completed a suicide. And it was her siblings that found her in the house deceased. It was horrific. It was a tragedy. So if they want to talk about it, listen. If they don't want to talk about it, you're not there to be an investigator. You're not to police to inv investigate a suicide. So be there to support in whatever way that you can and if possible, try to avoid asking too many questions, especially as it relates to the cause of death. Be patient if the family member or person feels lost and they just can't think. They very well may be in a fog. And then finally, focus on the deceased and the survivor's love for him and her instead of how the person died. In the situation that I dealt with, I knew the young lady who completed her suicide. I knew her family very well. So I spent some of that time talking to the mother about how beautiful her daughter was and the relationship that she had with others and how she had contributed wonderfully to so many other people. I didn't talk about how tragic it was that she committed suicide and et cetera. I talked about what a beautiful person she was and how much she was loved by so many people. Did that answer your question? It does. I just had one um, follow-up, if I may. How would you address if someone asks you, is my loved one going to hell because they committed suicide? That's a very tough question, and it's one that we have to anticipate when we go into a situation like that. My reply would be, I'm not God. That's, my, that's not my decision. So let's leave that up to God to determine where that person goes. Thank you, Bishop. That's all the questions I have for you. This is Bishop Michael Bellamy. I hope you enjoy our podcast and subscribe to our Facebook page. You will find our weekly podcasts on many of your favorite platforms. 
Would you please tell your family and friends to listen in as well? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook and via email at theelephant2022 at gmail.com. All right, friends, we have, we have some of our other producers with us that have questions, and we're going to move on to the next producer. Go right ahead with your question. Praise the Lord, Bishop. This is Elder Winslow. Elder Winslow from yes, sir. Wachuca, right? Yes, sir. Wachuca <laughs> by way of Whetstone. Yes, sir. Out okay. here in the desert. Yes, sir. Again, we appreciate you taking your time and answering our questions. And I have ones that definitely apply to me. And seeing that throughout the body of Christ, we have several of us that are saved and that are working in the public schools. And so for those of us working in the public schools, how can we effectively comfort students enduring grief and or trauma? We've been seeing a lot of school shootings, hearing about them. It's a tragedy. And there's a lot of grief within the school systems. And then you have those who are the professionals in the system that have to help process it with the families. The school should have, and I think most of them have, grief counselors available, or they're able to refer the child or the family to a grief counselor. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make, even within the church, Minister Jake, is that when there is a death in the family that we don't give children enough attention to help them process their grief. Children hurt just as much as adults do. And sometimes they struggle more processing their grief because they may not understand death like an adult does. But within the school system, other professionals in the school, such as yourself, I believe that you're a school teacher, am I correct? That is uh, correct. I'm a, I'm a math teacher and I'm a track and cross country coach. So yes, I have quite a bit of contact with those that are going through grief, trauma, and the, all the above. So yes, sir. Yeah, yeah well, as, a, as an educator and a professional, you can support those children by listening to them. Sometimes they don't have anyone to talk to at home. People don't want to talk about a death. It's too painful. And I served as a grief and loss facilitator. Uh, I served as a chaplain for a major a hospice institution, went into many homes where families did not want to talk about the death. And there are children in that house that are, that are hurting. And sometimes they just need somebody to talk to. They need somebody that will listen to them. So I would suggest that you listen to the child if they wanna talk about it and also watch for negative changes in behavior. If they were an exceptional student and you all, all of a sudden you see that there is a change in their grades, uh, they're not turning in homework, they're not doing their assignments, they were an A student, now they've dropped down to a C student and they just had a loss, that's definitely related to their loss. 
Also, if that child wants to talk about it to you as a teacher and you have a close enough relationship or rapport with that child, first, I would suggest make sure that they're getting counseling from a professional counselor in the school system. Then whatever the child shares with you, you share what information you have with the grief counselor at the school so that you're all working together as a team in order to give that child support. I just wanted to jump in on that. I actually, as I was sitting here listening to the question, it didn't dawn on me until Bishop began to explain. But when we first moved to Chattanooga, um, my oldest son was in sixth grade and probably within two months of the start of the season, which might late September, early October, one of his classmates that he had befriended um, in a new state, in a new city, in a new school committed suicide. Oh, wow. And I took my son to the service for the young man and listened to the preacher try to, you know, make it all right and, you know, say that he had accepted Christ. So he's with God. You know, he had did his confession uh, and, and repented in his heart and um, and all of that stuff. And to see the grief on the family, because, you know, it wasn't as we would say, the will of God, if you, you know, like old age, you know, he was barely 13. Yeah. And, um, and then I watched my son through the next couple of years struggle with school, especially that year. Like he, but I mean, he was on honor roll. Actually, he was in seventh grade and he was on honor roll before we moved to Chattanooga. He was in the gifted program and everything. And after that started a year, he took a turn, had his worst year on record with his schooling. So it definitely affects them. They may not know how to verbalize it or explain it, but I can look back and see, yeah, he was going through some some real stuff that I experienced as a young person as well, but it just hit differently for him. Did he get any kind of uh, counseling at the school? Yes, they did provide it because like I said, you know, he was a, a very light kid and um, so they provided some counseling at the school for the students because it was a rocker. I mean, it was like, you know, wow, this he was here like on Thursday and then over the weekend or Friday and over the weekend he did it. And it was like one day you're here, one day you're gone. Yeah, you know, so in a situation like that, when you see those those changes in behavior, a, a change in their study habits and in their grades, even if they are getting counseling from um, the grief counselors at school, it may not be a bad idea to also have them to get pastoral uh, care or counseling, or maybe even reach out to another professional Christian counselor in order to make sure that that child is grieving appropriately and they can help them through those stages of grief. I see Tyrone, Tyrone, you, you had something that you wanted to say? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, also put in my two cents to uh, brothers, Brother Winslow's question on how can we effectively comfort students enduring grief and trauma. I work in the special education department in my high school. I'm a special education teacher. So with me, I see a large scale of trauma and also see a small scale of trauma. So um, it can be a, a child not doing his homework. 
that mm-hmm. can be grief or trauma for a special education student or you know someone committing suicide in the school they can take that much more harder than the students that that are in the general ed population so yeah. that has just helped me understand that adults we don't always have the answer seeing that right. large scale and small scale of trauma i think as adults especially in the uh, education field we want to always have the answer so instead of listening to understand we listen to respond mm-hmm. so i think that causes us as adults or teachers or whatever we are to give a default answer yeah. and sometimes students just need us to listen to understand because that grief or trauma may not be anything to us, but for them, it may be the end of the world and they need a genuine ear um, and someone that just will listen to try to understand what they're going through rather than, hey, here's a solution, now go do it. And it's simple as that because sometimes things are not just black and white. And that's just something I learned working with special education students. Well, that's a valuable um, education that you're learning there, and thank you for sharing that. There are people who are grief counselors who specialize with working with children. And uh, even though there may be professionals who are adults and facilitate grief and loss, when it comes to children, it's better to get somebody that understands children and can reach them at at their level. And so, For any parents who are listening and your child is struggling with a loss or with multiple losses, they may have gotten grief counseling at school. They may have spoken to a spiritual leader. You may want to consider going online and looking for a Christian counselor that specializes in grief for children and have that specialist uh, be able to to give your child support and then advise you as to what you can do in order to provide better support. Did that answer uh, your question, um, Minister Winslow? Yeah, it it did. Excellent insight from from all of you. Um, You know, I I will say that uh, oftentimes I find myself in that place because, you know, if you're personable with your kids and you got a good relationship with them and they feel like they've got to, they need to find somebody to talk to. And, yeah. and, and I, I love what you said. Just listen, you don't listen to, and, and also don't listen to respond. Just listen to mm-hmm. listen, be empathetic. Yeah. Let me ask you this. And this is kind of, uh, this is kind of interesting right here. Is, is this going too far for me to ask the kid if they have a pastor because a lot of kids they come from all kinds of walks of life especially here if they have a spiritual person in their life to refer them to them as well in in concurrence with with the professionals that we have at the school would that would that be a feasible idea me personally like me as the teacher as the educator would that be you think that would be a feasible idea oh yeah i, I think it's i think it's feasible i think it's a great idea I would probably say something to this effect. I know that the, uh, the school grief counselors have talked to you. Uh, you're probably talking with your family. Are you also getting any counseling from a spiritual leader? And then they'll let you know, yes, I am. I go to church and this is the church I go to, I go to or I attend. And this is my pastor's name and he or she, this is, you know, they are giving me counseling. So yeah, I think it's, it's a good idea. 
Because, you know, the, the, the professional counselor and the spiritual leaders have to work together in order to provide that care that, that children need, along with the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the family is struggling with the grief themselves. And sometimes kids are just, you know, they have a, they have a thousand and, and, and two questions and kids ask tough questions that we mm-hmm. just don't know how to answer. They stop us like, geez, where'd you get that question from? <laughs> You know, right. So uh, that's why it's important to have that professional that deals with children on a on a regular basis. Well, friends, that's all the time we have for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode, which was produced by Lady Satoya Clinton. Be safe, stay healthy. God bless. <laughs>